0: All right, friends, I'm going to invite you, if you are in the uh, foyer, to uh, come on back in and grab your beverages and come in and take your seat, and we'll continue uh, with our teaching time together this morning. Um, many of you that have been with us for a little while uh, no one are aware that we're in the middle of a teaching series called Hidden Figures, and uh, we are um, profiling. Eight different women who appear in uh, the lineage of Jesus, in the life and the lineage of Jesus. And so we've chosen uh, eight women. Uh, That are connected with eight different agencies, churches, or relationships that we have uh, to come and share that with us. And so this morning we have with us Gloria Woodland. Uh, Gloria is a doctor of ministry. Uh, She teaches in our uh, Mennonite Brethren Biblical Seminary and uh, leads and oversees the chaplaincy program there, which is uh, actually both. Uh, Pastor Wally and myself are graduates of uh, Midnight Brethren Seminary. And I, I want to just do, I'm going to do a plug for it because it's my alma mater. So I, <laughs> um, that is if you are considering... Uh, any area of equipping and strengthening. Uh, Right here in Langley, we have Acts Seminaries, which is a consortium. But our denominational seminary, uh, Mennonite Brethren Biblical Seminary, is a strong and vibrant part of that. And they do incredible work resourcing churches and leaders. Uh, Earlier this spring, we had a parenting conference here that was facilitated by uh, MB Seminary. And so it's not just graduate theological education, Uh, But that's a significant part also of what they do, and um, the next event that they have coming up is uh, is uniquely tied actually to our sermon series, and it's called "Her Story." And it's a little bit of an open house to find out about women who have gone through a seminary journey and what God has done in their life and where they have found themselves. And so if you have interest in that, pick up this postcard. It's just available uh, at the back at the Welcome Center. And there's also some details about uh, seminary. And I don't know. Am I doing a good job? Am I leaving anything out, Gloria? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but we want to pray for you and pray for the work that God has called you to. Uh, Gloria and her husband Dave worship here locally at the Willows Church, which we have a great partnership and relationship with. And uh, we've known each other for many years, and it's just been a war- real privilege. Uh, to see your ministry in equipping and strengthening so many people uh, for chaplaincy care, both uh, in professional settings and also just in and around the lives that they live, that God's called them to care deeply for others. So let me pray for you. God, I thank you for uh, the work that you have uh, called Gloria to do in her life. And you have used her in powerful ways to stir up the gifts of many people. And so I ask now that as Uh, She preaches this morning here with us and opens your word to us. Spirit of God, would you open our hearts and our ears to hear what it is that you are saying to us in this place today. We pray that you would give us responsive hearts, give us soft hearts to be obedient, not just to hear what you're saying, but also to do and to act in ways that are just and that are right and that are loving. And so we ask, Spirit of God, that you would come and that you would use Gloria and your word to teach us this morning. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Gloria.
1: Thank you. I am really glad to be here with you this morning. And... uh, It's good for me to participate in worship with you and I can already say my heart has been blessed as we've gone through some worship together. I thank Brad for sharing about upcoming events at the seminary. Um, I have brought lots of information with me about the seminary because I want to promote that this morning and I want to let you know that on that same place, the counter, I believe it's the information counter, where the her story cards are, there's also lots of information about the seminary. And courses are available at the seminary, and you don't have to be in a degree program to take those courses. If there's something that you feel that you need to learn more about for your spiritual experience or for serving the Lord, then you can take a course and you can audit it so that you don't have to do the big papers at the end. <laughs> I also wanna let you know that you don't always have to come to the classroom to study. You can take your courses online. We now have Axe World Campus that allows you, if you prefer, to study in your pajamas late at night, then you can do that, or early in the morning. Some of you are shift workers, maybe, and you can't make it to the classroom. There are courses available for you online. So there's lots of information about the seminary at the back. And there's also a little card that says, curious about seminary. If you fill that little card out and you give it to me, I'll take it back. And someone will contact you or send you some information. If you fill the card out after I'm gone, just give it to Pastor Brad. And I'm sure he'll make sure that it gets my way. So as I've said, that school is there for you. And I do ask that you uh, check it out a little bit and see what what 's available i 've been so intrigued by this hidden figure series, and i 've gone online and listened a little bit to some of the other speakers and heard what they had to say and I believe that God is using this the first time that I watched that i 've watched it twice now, that movie hidden figures. I was on an airplane and the person in the seat beside me was leaning over and watching even though they couldn't hear it. And I just turned to them and I said, this is powerful stuff. This is powerful stuff. I was amazed as I watched that movie on the impact of the women who were behind the scenes in the accomplishment of something that was great. The women were behind the scenes working And I applaud your pastoral team and your leadership team for choosing to focus on the hidden figures in the life and ministry of Jesus. Women who were behind the scenes so that something great could be accomplished. Well, as we're here together this morning, we are, I tried to calculate this out, two thirds of the way through Lent. And Lent is a season, as you know, that is 40 days, not counting the Sundays and it began a month ago on March the 6th, with Ash Wednesday, and it's going to end very soon, in a few weeks, on Holy Saturday, the day between the sorrow of Good Friday and the celebration of Resurrection Sunday. The English word Lent comes from a very old Anglo-Saxon word which means lengthen, and it refers to the lengthening of days for spring. The Lenten, or lengthening of days, marks that time of traditional preparation for Easter. But I want to go further than that this morning. I want us to say that Lent marks the preparation of believers for Easter. Lent is to be a time when we as Christians... Reflect on Jesus Christ. Think about his love, his life, and his sacrifice. I was looking at the the blog on the Jericho Ridge site and the post on understanding Lent that Pastor Brad had put up. And I saw there that Lent was described as a season of renewal. Lent is a season of drawing near to God. A time that's to be set aside for self-examination, for self-denial. A time to reflect on the 40-day journey of Jesus in the desert before his public ministry. Lent is a time to consider our life and our response to God. This morning we're going to look at a scripture passage that I would not have thought of as one that would lead me in that direction. A time to consider my life and my response to God. If you're following along and you wanna look it up in your Bibles, it's Luke chapter one. As we move in and we look at the hidden figure of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke chapter one, and I'll begin reading at verse 26. In the sixth month, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said will be accomplished. And then the scripture gives us Mary's song, the Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. For he has helped just as he said he would. As you sit here on this fifth Sunday of Lent, it might seem very odd to focus on Mary, the mother of Jesus. We are used to her as part of the Christmas story. Yet today, even as we approach Easter, I believe that her life holds lessons for us. As an evangelical Christian, I am never really sure about where to place Mary in my religious scope. Mary, as the mother of Jesus, has been venerated in shrines and in prayers. And we know that she's held high in that Roman Catholic tradition. Famous artists have imaged her on canvas and others have carved her in clay. Mary has been portrayed as a young woman as a holy woman, as the mother of our Lord. However, in some traditions, and for some individual believers, Mary's more like an afterthought. She is a means to an end. Mary holds a demure place in biblical history. And each year we gently place her figure in the nativity scene, as a young woman with the noble role of giving birth to Jesus. And then, with her Christmas duty done, we let her fade into the background of that biblical narrative. She becomes a hidden figure. I think, though, that if we can pause that traditional narrative and do what I try to teach the chaplaincy students to do, pause, and sit in Mary's narrative and see her context. I think if we do that, we can realize the magnitude of this divine interruption that Mary experienced. There are many places in scripture where we see individual lives interrupted. They're interrupted because God is at work. The illustrations can begin in the Old Testament with Abraham, Moses, Elijah, all had divine interruptions. And in both the Old and the New Testaments, Scripture gives us story after story of God's work in the lives of people. And most often, it began with a life interruption that startled their day-to-day living I think if I were to sit and talk with you individually maybe if we were to go down and sit together in Starbucks and chat about how God got your attention how God changed your life I think you would say it started with an interruption in your day-to-day living. So whether it's recorded in Scripture or whether it's your own testimony, we see the power of divine interruptions. But I would say this morning that none of us were as interrupted as Mary who would deliver the Son of God. In Luke chapter 1, verses 28 to 30, The angel went to Mary, and the angel said to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. And then in the delivery of that divine interruption, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Favor with God. What does it mean to be favored? we understand the concept of something that is our favorite, our favorite food, our favorite movie or song, or even your favorite sports team, even if they're already out. (laughs) But that's not the same thing as having God's favor. What is it to have God's favor? In Scripture, we have... Some lessons about having God's favor. In Exodus 33, it's recorded that God said to Moses in verse 13, I know you by name. You have found favor with me. And in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel himself speaks of receiving strength when God spoke, saying, do not be afraid, highly favored one. Others who know God's favor include Noah and Joseph and Samuel and even Jesus, who at the age of 12 was told he had received the favor of God. In Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, when Jesus begins his public ministry, we read that the spirit of the Lord was upon him to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Mary, a devout young Jewish woman, first hears the angel say that she has found favor with God, I suspect it brought some anxiety as she knew the weight of the word favor. And she wondered how she could be in that favored category. To have God's favor is beyond kindness and beyond goodness. In the New Testament, the word cherish provides the root word for favor. And it is also the same root as the word grace. So to have found favor is to have found grace with God. It is to gain approval, acceptance, or blessing. God extends his, favors, his favor to those who have lived humble, God-honoring lives. To receive the favor of God means that one lives in a posture of worship and a position of humility and grace. Mary lived in that space. So this morning, as we look together at Mary, who in her favor with God, responded to God's divine interruption in her life, in much the same way that you or I would, we can see some life lessons for responding to God. We're going to look together at Mary's fear, at Mary's response and at Mary's song. Mary was betrothed to Joseph to be his wife. Today we would say that they were engaged, but yet betrothal was much more binding than our culture's engagement. And engagement can be broken without a lot of legal action happening. Not so much for Mary and Joseph. In Jewish culture at that time, they were legally bound. Legally connected as if married, yet not consummated. On the official wedding day, they would unite sexually as a couple. The betrothal was like marriage. And not to be broken without legal and cultural punishment. Mary, at this time, would have been young because betrothals generally occurred when a a girl was between 13 and 16 years of age. Mary was from a very small town, Nazareth, a place that had been of little note. I would guess it would be like some of the small towns that dot the Trans-Canada Highway. My experience, mostly, would be in Saskatchewan. You know the ones I mean. A grain elevator, a gas station, and a bag of chips. As, I, as we've oftentimes said in our family as we've gone past these roadside towns, don't blink, you'll miss it. So here is this young Jewish girl from a nowhere little town And the angel comes to her with this divine interruption and basically says, even though you're not married, and you are still a virgin, you are going to give birth to the savior of the world. Mary, that Jewish Messiah that you and your people are waiting for? Yes, him. You're going to deliver him to the world. Yes, it will interrupt your life and your peace and your wedding plans and everything in your life will change. But you, Mary, have found God's favor and you are to do this. (coughs) Jerusalem, Matson Neal writes, I know why Mary's afraid. And it's not that the angel isn't coming. It's that he's already there, right there in this quiet space, waiting for an answer. Fear is rising. Remember what I said about sitting in the context of Mary's narrative? Fear is rising. The angel feels it and says, do not fear Mary, you have found favor with God. And then the angel waits for Mary's response. Fear is rising. A young girl from a nowhere town going to have the savior of the world? Fear is rising. And then Mary responds. Mary quietly, I would assume, nods her head in consent and says in verse 38, May your word to me be fulfilled. Wow! How many times have I missed the power of that response as I viewed Mary as a secondary part of the Christmas story. Mary had the favor of God, but now? was about to lose the favor of her community. Mary's yes was not a mumbled, quiet consent that led to a joy-filled pregnancy or sweet, happy baby showers and celebrations with friends. Mary's life in that moment was interrupted and she would instantly become the center of gossip and of drama and even threats of death. In her culture, a woman pregnant before the wedding was assumed to be an adulteress, which in that time meant that she would be mocked and that each time she tried to declare her innocence or tried to explain things, she would face public humiliation. Mary's yes to God came with great risk, and oftentimes a yes to God does. Joseph, he could have walked away. He could have left her unwed, poor, and with child. This divine interruption and Mary's yes, it meant that Joseph would also have to make some hard decisions. The angel never said, Mary, once you say yes, all will be well, and you will live happily ever after. The angel only delivered the message of divine interruption and then waited for an answer. There was great power in Mary's yes. As a devout Jewish woman, Mary knew the story of her people, God's people. She knew that God took care of his people. And in this moment, she could have recalled that God had cared for the women who came before her. Women like the other hidden figures that you've been learning about in the last weeks. Mary knew that God had cared for Tamar and for Rahab, and for Ruth, and even for Bathsheba. And while she knew her situation was frightful and disastrous, she also knew that she worshipped a God who cared for his people as they faced dire circumstances. God does not promise relief from trouble. He promises his presence in times of trouble. Mary worshipped this God, the God who cared. And that meant that she could offer a confident yes to the angel. Yes doesn't mean we're not going to have any questions. Mary's question, if you look at scripture, was quite natural. How will this be? Wow. Have you ever felt like God was nudging you to do something or nudging you to speak to someone? Sometimes it's a feeling that just doesn't go away and we know that God is trying to get our attention and activate us in that moment whether he's calling us closer to him or whether he's calling us and asking us to speak to someone else. When it doesn't go away, God is trying to get our attention and activate us. And in a moment of honesty, I have to say I'm not always the fastest responder to those nudges. My words are not so much, how will this be? I'm guilty of saying, really, God? (laughs) Do you really want me to do that? Or my response this week, as there was an interruption that has impacted many at the seminary. I said, God, why? Why is this happening? You might be able to hear yourself in some of these questioning kinds of responses. Really, God? Do you need an answer today? Can't I have some time to sort this out? God, do you really need me to change my behavior and trust you? Really God, do you know how what you're asking is going to impact my family? God, is it really necessary for me to speak truth into this and risk my reputation? Really, God? Do I have to say yes to your interruption in my life? My life will change. I might lose friends. Really, God? Philip Yancey says that often a work of God comes with two edges, great joy and great pain. And in that matter-of-fact response, Mary embraced both. She was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless of the personal cost. If we follow the scriptural story of Mary through, we see that following on her fear... And her yes and her wonder, she broke into song. Breaking into song, as you've already figured out, is not what I would be doing. I'd be crying and I'd be scrambling, scrambling to change the story. But Mary, who knew the story of God, broke into song. Young, scared. Faithful Mary sang what we know as the Magnificat, with the first words derived from the Latin word for magnify. The Magnificat is a song of revolution and of power and of trust, of faith and of hope. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary sings because God has divinely interrupted her life and she knows God's plan to interrupt darkness and injustice and redeem the brokenness of life. This God whose favor rests on her, this God whose love empowers her, this God who chooses to use her He is going to turn the whole world upside down for his glory. Listen to her song, Luke chapter 1. It begins in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he promised." Did you hear it? Mary is so confident in the promise of God to right the broken world that she put all the verbs in that song into the past tense. God interrupted Mary's life and took her fear and her yes and used it for his glory. Through Mary, God brought his son into this world. Through God's interruption, Mary brought God's change agent to the world. What about us? You and I? How is God interrupting our lives? God interrupted Mary's very life, even her physical body. God interrupted evil as Mary sang in victory. God interrupted the very world through Jesus. Interruptions can be very frustrating to say the least. In our lives, we have lots of interruptions daily. These interruptions happen in our routines and our thoughts and even our words, and we struggle to contain ourselves in the day-to-day. Recently, I was babysitting our grandchildren. And if you come to my office, i got lots of pictures, and I'm proud to talk about my grandkids, but there are times. <laughs> Recently, I was babysitting my grandchildren, and I had to take a call. And while I was on the phone, there was this constant on my leg, Grandma, Grandma, Grandma. (sighs) Grandma, Grandma. To which I kept giving the shush signal. And as I had the thoughts for today on my mind, it has caused me to think about the times that God has called me and tried to interrupt me, and I've given the shush signal. So this morning I'm asking, when God interrupts, how will we say yes to a divine interruption in our lives? Whenever and however God is interrupting, we have an example of how to respond in the life of Mary. First of all, we have to find God's favor live your life in a way that pleases God so that he will choose to use you and use you to interrupt the brokenness of today's world. That means living a life of faith, humility, wisdom, and grace. In this season of Lent, we are challenged to put ourselves into the presence of God to study, to pray, to observe his life in our lives. And in these last weeks of Lent, I want to encourage you to dwell with God and be a person who knows God with such intimacy that when he chooses you to do a divine work, when he chooses to interrupt your life, You are ready. The second thing we have to do is admit our fear. Mary was afraid. I think for years I just kind of slid over that verse. Mary was afraid. We too can admit our fear when God asks something of us. Our upbringing or our culture may have taught us to hide our fears. But let's be honest, fear is real. We need to admit it, we need to face it, and we need to process it. Mary faced her fear, and she processed it. Mary turned to her friendship with Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, verse 56. It's recorded how Mary went to talk to Elizabeth. I encourage you to find a community, whether it's the broad community of Jericho Ridge, whether it's your small group study, your cell group or your home group, whether it's an individual. We need to find a community. You need to find a community when you're facing your fears, a community that can pray with you, that will help you process fear and who will stand with you as you say yes to God. Say yes. It's our decision. It's our decision to say yes to God. The choice is ours when God interrupts our life and he invites us to do something with him or something for him we have a spiritual history that shows us that God is with us when we say yes. When we say yes, God's presence and peace go with us and we can sing the song of victory. Sing the song. Singing the song in 2019 means telling what God has done and what he will do. Singing our song means telling the story of our fear and of our yes and of God's presence. Tell the story of your life and God's work in you. Tell the good news of the gospel. We're on that approach to Easter. The days have lengthened, and we are moving through the season of Lent, the season of self-examination, self-denial, reflection, renewal, and the season of commitment. This morning, I want you to spend some time in personal reflection. I want you to consider How you are dwelling with God. How are you dwelling in God's favor? Have you turned your fears to God and responded to sing his praise? If God is interrupting your life, is it time to commit? Maybe he's calling you to salvation. Maybe he's calling you to tell a neighbor. Maybe he's calling you to go deeper with him. Is God interrupting your life and is it time to commit? Like Mary, we have to commit and in our yes, we demonstrate our faith. John 19, verse 25 tells me that Mary's life interruptions didn't start with that role in the Christmas, didn't stop with that role in the Christmas story. John 19, verse 25 says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. That hidden figure. As Christ became the savior of the world, Mary's divine interruption once again impacted her life. And once again, as she stood by the cross, she trusted in the God who cared. Lent. Time to consider our life and our response to God. I've asked the worship team if they would play some music while we sit and consider our lives and our response to God. And as they play, speak with the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to stand and say, here's my commitment. Maybe you just need quiet time. Whatever that might be, bow now and consider your life and your response to God. Is it time to commit and demonstrate your faith? Lord, this morning as you speak to us, not shush but may we commit may we say Lord this scares me but keep showing me the direction I should go may we turn and trust presence, your peace, and your strength in our lives, and may we desire to follow you.